0: Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Um, I'm Tom Stocks. I'm the sort of creative talent program manager and um, the organiser um, of these sort of webinars. Um, so thank you so much for for joining us. Um, this is, we've been doing these for quite a while now, since sort of October, so um, we've covered so many different things, these webinars, we do them every sort of, um, every month, um, so we started off with things like the Black History Month, um, Breaking the Stigma on Mental Health, we've covered Brexit, we've covered we've covered everything, um, and tonight obviously we're covering um, a completely different topic, which is sort of very close to my heart, um, So, yeah, I'll just sort of like crack on, really, because I'm going to be not not usually me sort of host this sort of stuff. So I'm hosting tonight um, and chairing. Um, So welcome to tonight's discussion, which is obviously um, how regional theatres can inspire our next generation, especially with, you know, all the cuts that are happening at educational level with GCSEs being cut and the... um, a few months ago it was put to the government to cut BTEC's uh, college so I suppose the discussion tonight is you know if if it's being cut free education level where do the next generation get inspired um and is that down to sort of regional theatres um to do that and is, is it on them to do that so here's our panelists we've got Emily Karis Hannah and Joe with us um I'm just going to get them sort of introduce themselves so you guys know a little bit more about them so let's start with you Karis
1: Hello, hi, thanks for having me. Um my name's Karis and I'm the engagement lead at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. Um so I kind of look after or oversee lots of our work um with non-professionals. Um so that's sort of split up into three chunks kind of children, young people, like work in the community and work with older people. Um but I'd say I've got like a probably, yeah, my main background is working with young people. So be that in schools or with kind of youth theatres or partnership groups or things out in communities. And um, that's sort of a big like chunk of my work really and a big chunk of the work that the Exchange really values um, and supports as well. Amazing. And Emily, let's come to you.
2: Hello, um I'm Emily. I'm from Leeds. Um, I'm also a member of Creative Youth. Um basically I'm a current drama studio uh, student at Drama Studio London, but before that I went to Lap6 form and I've just sort of grown up like a few of us in them sort of youth theatre scenarios so it's such a huge part of my identity and I'm excited to talk about it actually. Good
0: uh, and Joe let's come to you.
3: Hi my name is Joe, I'm a freelance director and facilitator based in Manchester and um, so I work with lots of the theatres based um, around Manchester and I also work Three days a week at the Octagon, leading their youth theatre groups, some of their youth theatre groups, and, um, and so some of my work is kind of making theatre pieces with young people or community members, some of it is leading workshops, um, and some of that might be in an education context or a kind of youth theatre context. Um,
0: yeah. Cool thanks Joe. and finally Hannah. Hi I'm Hannah,
4: um, so I'm a first year history student at the University of Liverpool, um, theatre still is a big part of my life. I've been a part of youth groups since I was about 11 years old, um, and it's been a huge part of my learning and experiencing of theatre. Um, so it is a, a topic that is close and based off my personal experiences. Um, being in youth theatre has really inspired me to also um, pursue a career mixing history with theatre by like living history events and interpretations. So yeah, it's, it's a big part of my life
0: amazing thank you Hannah um so we're just going to go into the you know ask a few questions now and get into the sort of nitty-gritty but guys if anyone wants any questions then please use the Q&A box down below um and any questions I can sort of chicken um throughout so um yeah any questions just chuck them in the Q&A box and we'll try and answer as many as we can so I suppose the first question is obviously you know I discussed at the beginning um about you know arts being cut at GCSE level and obviously the the threat by the government of BTEC being cut at college level so I suppose what are your thoughts on arts being cut at GCSE level and now potentially BTEC performing arts at college level let's start with you Karis
1: yeah I mean it's going to come as no surprise but I think it's awful <laughs> I think it's yeah it's it's such a shame because I think that not you know not not just because of the next generation of theatre makers and artists, obviously that's huge, but also because of the other things that the arts teaches us, doesn't it? Teaches us empathy and how to uh, learn stories and kind of all of these are the like knock-on effects of it. So I think that also from like all those perspectives is listening and learning and kind of hearing stories and telling stories and passing things on through generations and learning soft skills like communication and teamwork and all of that stuff that um we know that the arts teaches us and we know that the arts like really values and supports so it's a huge huge shame if people aren't learning all of that as well and aren't kind of being in settings where they can work with others kind of get up off out of their you know desk spaces and kind of do some more practical work and sort of share and explore and be a bit creative in school I think that that's crazy if people aren't being encouraged to do that and we're just sort of encouraging yeah people to kind of sit behind desks and to sort of learn in those kind of you know sort of traditional ways rather than kind of um actually like exploring and kind of learning about themselves and sort of you know learning how to be empathetic and understanding each other do you think because that's not a stat
0: by you know you can conform into a stat i guess by the government do you think that's why it's maybe not in the arts sort of flies under the radar as a non-essential subject do you think
1: yeah completely yeah and I think it's like it's just one of those things that like we yeah we can't we, there's not like a number placed on it is there and the fact that you know like we it's not like a clear like right we, we know that like x y and z and we know that like the money is like here and we can like provide this output straight away I think that that's what makes it really difficult and that's what also what makes it not valued at the moment as well or not kind of given the value that it should have.
0: Yeah, no, I agreed. Emily, thoughts?
2: Sort of the same as Karis. Like for me, I did the GCSE drama. I'm only 21, so for me it wasn't too long ago. Um and it was sort of that one lesson where you got to be not behind your desk, you've got to be creative. But the thing that sort of scares me more than anything is that for me Fair enough, you have the drama classes, but also theater companies come in, you get the school trips to the theater. So even that's gonna go and it's gonna sort of fall on like the English departments, but they're already stretched because now you've got to do two different GCSEs in English, English language and English lit. And they've also now got to do theater trips. I think it's just gonna be a huge generation of people who I always debate, does theater become a thing of privilege if, you're, if it's not something that's free and available to everyone at your school? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what scares me more than anything.
0: I mean, what was your GCSE drama in your? Obviously, it wasn't too long ago, so you know, how was it for you? Uh,
2: For me, it was really good. We got uh, theatre companies like Blah Blah Theatre came in. uh, We had Frantic Assembly came into the school. It was like a huge one of their programs, um, and they came into the school. And when you're that age, it's really inspiring. And for me, being you know, I'm dyslexic and have ADHD, it was that one class a week which I was actually being able to be creative because I don't learn well with a pen and paper and I there were so many people in that class who were in the same category as me um so yeah I, I love GCSE drama I know it's got a bit of a stigma behind it but I loved it
0: good yeah Joe
3: yeah I um I mean it's interesting Emily you just said the word like stigma that it's got a stigma behind it. it'd be interesting to ask like what what is the reputation? Is it uh, um also because it's because it's a fun subject and so it can't possibly be useful, um and but yeah exactly I mean to back up I mean it's obviously as Karis said it's no surprise on this panel having turned up and probably most of the attendees will agree so I think there's a question there that obviously there are some people that aren't here tonight that um are. Think that it is a good idea to cut the art subjects, um, and why that, why that is, um, yeah. And I think in terms of uh, there's several things. Isn't it? There's in terms of people entering the industry that's kind of very difficult because um, GC- GCSE drama, A level drama, BTEC um, performing arts is one of the routes. I know people working successfully as actors now and in other creative um things in um in theatre that have entered through that that um that pathway um but also for all of the as carrie said the soft skills that i think it's one of the few subjects um and obviously i not been in school for maybe 10 years now but uh it's even though it looks about like three years ago that i left school but um but the my experience of it, it's one of the few subjects that you, ma- your mark was dependent on how you worked with other people. Whereas, if you look at generally the majority of your mark for English, math, science, um, and the majority of the other subjects, is the work that you do either in an exam room or on your own. And actually, when you get out into the real world, you, there are very few professions that, that you, you work solely on your own. Even I'm thinking, say, writers, which is seen as a lonely prese- um, profession, but you have to go and meet with publishers. You have to go and meet with um, agents, members of the public. I think through a, even a low level job, I don't know, you're working with other people, at a really high level job, you're working with other people. So I think that's, there's something happening in schools where those, those skills aren't valued, um, where, and, yeah, and there was one more point I was going to make, uh, but I'm sure I will um Well, you are you
0: thinking the... of that point, Joe? Let me push you on the... I mean, if... Obviously, the government can form it into stats and things like that, and obviously they don't value um, the art subject, like you said. Is there a way that we can... Um, I wouldn't say force that upon the government to recognise it, but in terms of like how how do we make the government see that it is a valued subject and it is worth saving and it is worth teaching to children and um, growing up and, and into any forms of life? I mean, Boris Johnson himself speaks in, in the in the you know the Commons. He ha- that's that's a form of drama in itself, he has to speak publicly and drama teaches you that, you know how do we get that across to, to, to the government and to the funders um to, to you know, come this far, I guess
3: um, I don't know the answer to that so I'm going to Karis is straight um, in there
1: <laughs> well I was just going to reference that do you remember that um piece of research that happened like a couple of years ago that was about um uh, surgeons who um were, because they weren't because people weren't doing sort of art subjects, maybe like you're crafty with your hands, mm-hmm. uh, from a younger age, the surgeons had like lost the ability to like be good at like practicing surgery because their hands weren't as like, you know, flexible. They hadn't like, they were kind of losing the craft because um, the art subjects hadn't been taught like at a younger age, and mm-hmm. um, which I think is maybe kind of one of those things that makes people stop and listen. Cause they're like, oh yeah, like, we can see those transferable skills then from like you know sort of like DOS kind of fun subjects like drama and art to like actual serious subjects like being a doctor or like you know kind of those sorts of things and I think that's what makes this current government listen like when you actually think about the transferable skills from like drama and like you said Tom you know sort of thinking about public speaking and kind of all of those other things that we know it does so well into like Serious jobs.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and Hannah, let's get your thoughts. Uh,
4: well, I think being able to access um, learning and experiences in the arts is vital for many young people wanting to pursue a career in the arts. And if you can't access this for free or at a low cost, then that becomes a real problem for a lot of working-class people. And it's similar to what Emily was saying before, that what does drama become um, something for the privileged? And, you know, will it create that class divide where is the, the privilege and the people of the upper class can afford? I mean, there's so many drama academies out there, but they are expensive. And unless you are privileged enough to be able to afford that, then it can be a problem for for working class people wanting to, to experience that in the arts as well. Um, also, though, I mean, for me, I was homeschooled before I went to college, and being part of the Octane Theatre and youth groups was a really significant part of me being able to access theatre and learning in the arts as well. So once you take that away, it, young people's experiences with the arts and participation in it becomes less, and then that could also result in less people being inspired and encouraged to pursue a career in the arts if they aren't interacting with it at a young age because if you aren't having that active role in it then can you really have a full understanding of of the massive positive impact it can have in your life
0: yeah I mean, Hannah, you're a bit of a prime example, I guess, is you said you were, you were homeschooled and obviously you didn't really have access to drama and things like that. What made you go to the Octagon? What made you, what made you, inspire you to go to the Octagon and start in theatre?
4: Well, I mean, first my sister, um, who's six years older than me, she went to the Octagon Theatre, so we kind of already have connections, but um, from a young age, I was always really interested in drama and I used to put on my own, um, little theatre shows in the living room so I think my mum was you sort of all like,
0: did oh. that Hannah don't you <laughs> yeah,
4: I mean that's you know you have to do that don't I you. still do it now I mean lockdown does make you do crazy things <laughs> um, so my mum was very, really encouraging of me to um, join the Octavian Theatre because she, you know she was like oh you've got a talent for this so having that encouragement because I think to begin with, I was a bit um, apprehensive of it, you know, like, oh, you know, you are meeting all these different people and I, I'm not going to be good at it. And then, you know, you have to do all these different things. And what if I'm not good at it? So having that encouragement and then my sister was there as well. So that was, you know, nice. And um, that's got me into And then it just uh, that's where it all began, really. And uh, I'm Thank so happy help, yeah. I did that. <laughs>
0: Because obviously with you being homeschooled, do you think it helped you with your social skills? Do you think it, because obviously going from such a a sort of isolated area where obviously, you know, it might have been just you and your sister and then going into the Octagon and and I suppose developing those social skills, did drama teach you those skills, I guess?
4: I think it definitely developed them and, and improved them. But, you know, I suppose with such as drama GCSE, there is a bit of a stigma with home education, which I know is a different area, but um, you definitely like interacting with all different people and part of groups, so you definitely have those social skills, but I think in some ways doing it in drama is, is slightly different. You, obviously, you uh, communication skills when you're speaking to such a large, large audience, you know, that's a big thing, using body movement to communicate your ideas, so it definitely developed them and improved them. Um, So yeah, it it was a big part of my
0: life. Yeah, okay. Oh, so the next question is obviously with bearing all this in mind, what effects do you think it will have on the industry? Um, Karis, let's come to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of as we've said, I think it will just have a, a huge impact on people, from different backgrounds, people kind of from a range of backgrounds getting into getting into theatre and starting careers in these In this industry I think ultimately like if you've not been exposed to it or only you've only been exposed to it because maybe your family enjoy going to the theatre or your parents or whatever like you found somebody along the way who is who will take you if you've not got any of that and that not might even be a class thing that might just be kind of what you've been exposed to as well and then it just means that the industry is just going to be full of people who's parents have the money or the interest or who are, you know, intrigued or who have a passion or a hobby to to take them, which is really sad and just sort of means that kind of only sort of really one kind of type of people or a few types of people will be able to access it or be able to start jobs in the industry, which is obviously a huge shame because it's surely the industry where we need the most diverse people ever to tell all these amazing stories.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Emily? <laughs>
2: Completely, completely I'm like, yes, it, there is this sort of worry that it's gonna become, and I think someone just pop it in the chat, is it just gonna become like a middle-class sort of hobby? You know, and I went through the whole drama school audition experience and I, that was awful because I come from a very working class, Northern background, knowing my family does the arts, and it cost me about two grand to even get through the door when she started paying for your audition fees and everything. So if we're already taking it away from GCSE and BTEC, where else can it go? You're sort of taking everything away from it for the opening of it. And like Kara says, we need everyone in it. You, you need all types of colours, all sexualities, all genders in it, because um, that's what theatre is, isn't it? Isn't that what it's about?
3: Definitely. Jo? Yeah, I completely agree um, in terms of it affects the people entering the industry. I also wonder if it affects the people just aware that theatre exists and might choose it as a leisure activity and something to do um, uh, in their free time. Because I think what we lose in not having GCSE subjects taught, uh, uh, um, GCSE drama, for example, an A-level drama in the performing arts at BTEC, what we lose is those teachers as well, because if um, that are part of the school and those teachers will organise school trips, they will also organise the school play. So um, they, um, and they are kind of the custodians or the guardians, they're kind of the ambassadors, I suppose for want of a better word, within schools for theatre. And that is not just in terms of people who enter the industry, it's also the people that turn to theatre to, Enjoy themselves, but also to learn about life and society in the world. And I think one thing that didn't come up in the last question, but actually, I I studied languages and I studied French, and I had to do a research project as part of that, and that was on drama education in France. And in France, the drama does not exist um, as a kind of discrete subject, and it doesn't in the curriculum in the UK either. But in the UK, in practice, in in many secondary schools, there is a, there are drama teachers, that's getting less and less so, but that, that has been for the last 30, 40 years, the situation. In France, that has never happened. So all of the theatre that happens in France is done by the kind of French language teacher or French literature teacher um, or a visiting company, which kind of maybe brings us on to, well, w- we might talk about later on, I know, in terms of how regional theatres help this. But I think, the loss, is not only the loss of those subjects, it's the loss of those ambassadors for theatre within the school that is for the last 30 or 40 years been such an important part of how drama happens within education. I think were we to lose that, maybe this is going on to the next question, but I think we would be in a much poorer position because there is no way external theatre companies can fill that gap.
0: Yeah, and Hannah?
4: Uh, I mean obviously I agree with everyone else. I think another point to make is that you'll have less diversity in the industry. I mean theatre and the arts is all about personal expression and if you don't have a huge diversity of people being able to express themselves through the arts then that means that less people will be able to hear that story which is so important. I think You know, um, in a wider way, that'll actually have a negative impact on our society because then you'll have less museums and art galleries, you'll have less theater shows to go to and it'll in the long term probably make our society a lot less cultural.
3: Yeah, yeah, go on Joe. I was just gonna respond to one of the comments from Ashley that's come into the chat about whether drama can be embedded in other subjects as a teaching tool or kind of what you might call Ash, um, I think as mentioned, um, uh, mantle of, Heathcote's mantle of the expert or a kind of process drama technique to you, which would use drama as a technique to teach history or to teach um, another subject. And I think that is really, really valuable. Um, and it would be great if we could see more of that. But I don't think um, that should be the answer to where drama sits in the curriculum. I'm really, um, sp- really an advocate of drama having its own place um and also the staff that teach drama to be experts as well that are kind of specialised and training that um but I think that I think it's a really useful um
0: no definitely I think I think drama being incorporated into health as a whole I think is great I mean I, I saw on the on the chat then something about mental health um I think it's, it's a great outlet for mental health um you know whether that's you know, writing exercises, whether that's you know, you know, role play, um, all that sort of stuff. It can be. It's. I think it's already crept into the mental health sector, if I'm going to be honest. Um, already, but I think being expanding that even more, um, I think it's fantastic. And you know, that could also be another place where, you know, it's proven that drama works. Um, not just, you know, not. I think we're in this sort of like mindset. I think the government may maybe in this mindset that if you just do drama GCSE, or you're just gonna become an actor. Um, And we all know that's obviously an oversaturated industry as it is, but I think where, where, in my opinion, the curriculum needs to change is that we don't just push drama and acting on people at a GCSE level. There's so many more um, occupations in the arts and we're not taught about that. We're just taught about one path. From GCS from primary school upwards, acting, 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 acting. You know they should definitely incorporate. You know there is directors and producers. You know I didn't know what a producer was until I was in uni. Um. So you know I don't even know. So to to teach that at a younger level and to offer other occupations i think is key and i think that it needs to be maybe revamped if you're going to cut it well why don't you revamp it into a different way and show there's different sectors within uh the industry anyway we'll come we'll come on to the uh, other stuff i get ranty about this sort of stuff anyway um thank you all for keep keep coming your questions in by the way and try and put them in the q a box because i'll try and um i'll cover the stuff that we've got to cover and then i'll come to all the questions at the sort of end of the last sort of 15 minutes so my next sort of question um, I'll come to you Karis, again first um, obviously if they can't learn this stuff in schools and colleges how do we inspire the next generation?
1: I mean theatres are a great way to do it theatres and theatre companies but that's a big responsibility for organisations that again don't have that much money <laughs> so I think whilst it is like the solution that seems possible right now. Again, that's, you know, like more likely in cities where there's maybe more less like how are rural places, how are seaside towns going to get this access? Like it's just not possible, is it? To like if you're not from somewhere who has a local subsidized theatre or a theatre company that's from there, like genuinely, what do you where do you go? And what do you look for? Like if that's yeah, if that role's kind of not not, you know, not if if that's now the role of the theatre and you've not got that theatre in your hometown where where do you get that access so I think that theatres definitely obviously do have a role to play and can have a big role to play but it is quite a lot of pressure to put on a theatre when they can't you know they don't have that much money and they can't kind of reach out to, to everyone so it's a really difficult one because what what next isn't it if if you know if the government's looking to theatres to do that but they're not providing them with the with the money essentially what do we do
0: yeah no exactly go on joe are you on mute mate
3: um i was also going to say in response to carrie's point is it's partly a question of money but also the core mission of a theatre building for example or a theatre company is to make theatre so and the majority of those resources will be put to that because that is, is what it does. And that some of that theatre can be with professional actors. Some of that can be um, with kind of participatory shows with young people, other community members. But that is not the same as a kind of a drama education and teach it, a teaching role. And I think I agree with Karis that it's it's but it's not a case simply of giving theaters more money. In, in that sense, I think it's um, I think it's a case of the mission of a theater is is broad, but it's not um, the main focus. I suppose of whether people disagree or agree with this is the theater buildings that I work in. That a lot of their resources go into creating mm. shows, um, and I don't think that's going to change. So then, if it becomes And we've got this, like we said about these drama teachers and this body of drama teaching, you can do train to do a drama PGCE. You can um, go on training and CPD. So these experts that are kind of at drama teaching that we've got embedded with schools. I think um, the question in terms of if they can't learn in schools and colleges, how do we inspire them? Is a question I suppose I don't want to answer because I don't want to be in a society where there is drama doesn't exist within the school, and I think actually in terms of what people who make these decisions are thinking, I think they probably are thinking, um, "Oh well, if people are interested in drama, they can go and do that in their spare time." And I think, um, and I think that undermines one the, the the kind of value that it can give in terms of transferable skills that we've talked about, but also the fact that. If school is a place to to learn about the broad kind of society and life, then actually a subject that is about how you interpret the world and how you kind of we represent each other and we tell each other stories and learn about each other's experiences should absolutely be part of that school experience.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, obviously, I know the Oxygen and Royal Exchange do great outreach projects and things like that. Do you think outreach is going to be key to, to tackling this issue as well?
3: yes i absolutely that by all means i don't mean that um by answer that answer no i know i know i was just
0: i was just putting that other question in terms of do you think outreach projects will be key in in you know in in i suppose reaching those if they're not getting energy and arts education i guess
1: yes yeah, i'm sure I mean, I was just, no sorry you go
3: i was gonna say yes i'm sure theatres will step in but like carrie says there's a the problems about the reach that they're located in in cities Um, i also think in terms of if I was going to do some outreach to solve this problem. The people I would be doing outreach to is um, government ministers, Ofsted, um, you know, to kind of educate them. I don't think a kind of plaster of some outreach projects led by theatres will solve the problem. Yeah, go on Karis.
1: Um, I was just going to say that, that obviously, so the Arts Council England funding, the remit from them um, is often that you have to do work, you have to do outreach work with children, young people, which is obviously great. But again, it's just it's just a spiral, isn't it? Like it's just like yeah, okay, great, absolutely, we we have to do this as part of our, you know, funding from the Arts Council. Um, but you know, like then. What, what's the purpose and kind of where do we stop and like Joe says often you know it's maybe more of a scattergun approach because it's like well oh, there's so many people out there that we need to reach so many people aren't getting access to drama in their schools or to, to the arts where they live or whatever and how can we we can't reach them all so we have to like either decide to try and give everybody a bit or to try and give like a few people a really amazing experience and again like it's just constantly that juggling thing isn't it of like do we want to just give everybody a half an hour like taster or do we want to give like these few people like a really brilliant like opportunity and that's just what we're always juggling with as well
0: yeah emily how do we inspire the next generation mate come on
2: I wish I had the answer I wish I could stand here and be like this is the answer I honestly I, I saw that question and I was like I have no clue because for me I was inspired from my local uh, carriage works in Leeds in West Yorkshire Playhouse what's well, now Leeds Playhouse and all the people that I know I've sort of been being inspired from that and then it's sort of like what you said is it's not really the responsibility of theatres though. They've already got enough on the plate. Are we going to pile this on on top?
4: Yeah. And it's
2: also something really interesting is we're living through a pandemic. Sadly, once we get to the end of it, we don't know what theatres are still going to be standing at least from where yeah. I live, I live um, west of Leeds. We have about, you know, four really community run theatres and it looks like they're not going to make it through apart from one. So even within the tiny towns, like I live in a tiny town in Yorkshire, even they're starting to disappear, so even they can't fill in the gap. And like Harris was saying, these big, how how far do they reach? Like Manchester, the Royal Exchange, how, how far do you go from Manchester to Bolton? You know, it's a huge area and you just can't help everyone. And it's, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. No, I, mean, I, know. I think, I think like, your,
0: <laughs> your point definitely echoes what George said in the chat there, you know, about you know clubs being underfunded and, You know, and yeah, I suppose at the end of this pandemic, they're going to be even more underfunded. And, you know, and what buildings are going to be left standing as well. Hannah, come on. Have you got an answer?
4: (laughs) I mean, it's such a difficult one. I think the only way I can interpret it is if we're talking about inspiration and inspiring the younger generation. I think that can come from so many different avenues. And I think, yes, local theatres can play a part in that Um, a lot of my inspiration came from local theaters and it can be just a small thing, even if it is just a, a one-off workshop that can lead to something else and something else and that that can grow that that interest. Um, also, you know, other young people can inspire other people. I mean, there's so many different competitions and film festivals and you can make your own art. And if you see someone who is a similar age to you and a young person, you know, doing something in the arts, such as like you know producing a short film then that can inspire other people to think oh well well i can do that maybe you know even though they shouldn't they really shouldn't have to be their own you know teachers and inspiration then but they can have it's sad to it they can themselves inspire other people to to pursue the arts.
2: yeah emily go on it's just so interesting when he said about young people inspiring other people. And I literally went, oh my God, how have I got about the TikTok theater fund? How that like TikTok made that viral thing. And we saw 12 of like the new and upcoming artists from the UK so battling it out, but sort of win a prize. And that went viral. And there's tons of stuff like that. And I, I don't know if there's a place for even social media for more people to sort of look at TikTok and see what they did like for the Ratatouille the musical, yes, sure. That was a beautiful piece of work. Like I, I love that. So things like that, is that where we're going to be heading down? Because you know, who knows?
0: I think social media. I think to market to younger people and to get them inspired, you have to go through their mediums, which is the TikToks, the Instagrams, the the Snapchats, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you've got to stay on trend, you know. TikTok wasn't even around, well, it was around, but it wasn't around as much as it was like a year ago. So you have to stay with the trends. And I suppose it's down to theatres and and stuff to, I suppose, stay with that to inspire younger people and, and things like that. But Hannah, I'll stay with you for the next question. I mean, whose responsibility... Is it if it is if we are if it is sort of cut um, at these sort of levels? Whose responsibility is it to teach the arts, and where can where can younger people get this uh, inspiration from? If for if we do get to that worst stage and the arts is cut at um, GCSE and, and college level? Well, I mean
4: that's a hard one to begin with, but um, I think in a way it's. Unfortunately, the government doesn't prioritize the art and they don't think it's a, an essential um, learning so in a way the responsibility falls on us and it's such a shame but you know ways to to introduce young people to the arts you know if you're're you're a parent or guardian then trying to get your child to to go to museums and art galleries and really interact with this and you know sometimes it falls on us ourselves you know for me it's sometimes my responsibility to seek out different opportunities and that does involve a little a couple of hours of research looking at what theatres are providing and even you know if I want to learn something then just going on YouTube and searching something and watching a 20-minute video you know even though we shouldn't have to do this then there are different ways to do it and and like I said before, with young people, we do have a, a lot of power to teach ourselves. And if you've got a phone or an iPad or a camera, then you can film, direct, write, act in a short film. You can upload that to social media or YouTube. And although it might not go viral, it's still out there. And if you do want to go to drag school or pursue a, a career then you can direct that to different people and administration and they will see that and be really impressed that you have initiative and a passion for the arts and that can go a long way yeah I definitely
0: i mean i just saw that abby then mentioned about hamilton and disney and i think that was a fantastic way of reaching younger audiences making that go uh, i mean i'm obviously with the covid thing digital is just so over over colluded at the moment in terms of there's so much stuff out there but yeah with things with the hamilton you film it right you can definitely reach the younger audiences in that way i mean emily what's your thoughts
2: uh yeah it's, it's there's so much at the minute there's so many opportunities but just knowing where to look like there's so many youth theatre companies that are still going online there's so many like i said the tiktoks like you said disney plus even having things national theatre live having things like I know that pe- schools even have digital theatre now for students in their GCSEs to watch shows, and some of them are absolutely amazing. Um, I think it's just being able to, you know, fine tune your way to find what's right for you, uh, for the right thing for the young people to find. Because there is a lot out there, but it's just knowing where to look. Really, sometimes.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> Joe, where do we? Whose responsibility is it? How are we going to inspire the next generation?
3: Not mine. No, I'm joking. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean I think in similar to what I said, before, I think it's an ecosystem um, that is with schools, theatres, um, th- uh, theatre buildings, smaller theatre companies, um, youth theatres, amateur dramatics, and um, that I think actually for people working in, I suppose what me and Caris do get often get. Um, we don't talk, I think, enough about the efforts of people in kind of um, places that run their own amateur dramatics groups for free for young people, and that's a massive way people are introduced to to um, to, uh, to theatre. So I think that's um, really important. I think, however, if we're talking about giving giving every single person that. Um, Every single young person an experience of theatre and the possibility that they could work in theatre or, or turn to theatre um, as a place of leisure and learning and understanding. I think that the school system is an essential part of that. So once again, I'm refusing to answer to imagine a world where that won't happen. Um, and I think the question about the like the stuff that Hannah said, and I think there's some really interesting stuff with digital um stuff and digital learning that could be really exploited more by theater i i love an online course uh and i always go on future learn and do stuff but there are very few ones i think there's one about theater on there if people don't know it's like you people, universities put their modules online uh, that kind of open to everyone um and i think there's a lot more that we could be doing the theater industry could be doing to um to do that. However, I do think that is in an in addition to being in a room with people. And equally, I would argue the experience of seeing Hamilton um, on Disney Plus is brilliant that it's available and brilliant that people have access um, to that. But that is not, um, I think, not an a a alternative or a substitute for live theatre. And I think there's other questions at, um, GCSE and a about the curriculum and, and whether, and currently I think in most um, cu- um, curriculums you have to go and see a piece of live theater and then talk about it. But there's talk about whether that could be a video or a film, but I think that needs to be considered quite carefully because it's not the same um, experience. So I think digital is useful, but it's not um, a substitute.
0: No, I agree. Karis?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree, and also just what Anne's put in the chat there is like struck a chord because I think that we can't we can't leave it up to chance, right? We can't if if schools are the only way to ensure that every young person is given that taster, given that glimpse into theatre and into drama and into the performing arts world. And all of these other things are great, but the onus is on the young person to maybe go out there and find it or do their research. And so they've got to be kind of interested from the beginning, like, or something in them has got to have been interested through some way along the line. And that's chance, right? And we can't just leave it up to that. I think that we need to kind of make sure that everyone is given that opportunity to experience it, to then decide whether or not, they want to pursue it or to take it further but I guess sort of beyond that I think also you know like it'd be great to see the responsibility on like the Andrew Lloyd Webbers and the like you know um uh, Bill Kenwright's and people, uh, Cameron McIntosh is of this world as well as the drama schools and the acting agents and the people that are... Because I think it's an industry where people are earning lots of money as well. So it's also like, OK, we're talking about these, like, you know, regional subsidised theatres that don't have much budget. But also we're talking about all these amazing, like, actors who started off working in theatre and what can they do as well? And how can they also help?
3: Yeah. Go on, Joe. I was just going kind to, of in response to what Kara said about saying, yeah, it's partly down to chance. If so, kind of the point Hannah made that yeah, those opportunities are out there, and I think that is fantastic, and I think that's really relevant, um, an important point that you can go out and initiate your own things. However, all of that takes skills of initiative, um, and the friends to do it with, and various things. And also, I would argue that that is also not just down to chance carries, but also down to like having a parent who's got the time to go through all of the websites and look through youth theatres. Um, and that might happen in a family, more likely to happen in a family where there's um, a bit more money so that somebody isn't working as much. Um, and so I, th- so I think there's barriers there as well in terms of the way people People can choose to access it and some people will and some people won't. But I would argue that if you are from a, a middle class background or high, your chances of being in an environment where people are gonna help you and support you and find your own opportunities is much higher. So um, yeah, there could be people that don't aren't in that envi- supportive environment that would really like to Um, look for their opportunities, but they don't know where even where to start. And even something as simple as Google searching youth theatre Bolton, some young people don't have internet connection. So, you know, so they which has been kind of put out there, hasn't it, through the pandemic more and more. And I think it's easy to forget to kind of forget about that. Because of course, yeah, if a youth theatre exists, you can sign up and go. But if you've not got if you're not on a pathway that's going to allow you to go and search for it, um, it might, that's less likely to happen. Whereas school, as somebody said, is universal. So you're at least going to definitely have that initial exposure to theatre.
0: Go on, Carrie, you respond to that. I was then... just going
1: to say, I think that I think that maybe my point got confused. I, I was talking about chances being a bad thing, and I wasn't t- like, I think that maybe... Um, I was sort of meaning that if if they've stumbled across it that isn't we're not doing our jobs right that's not a good thing I think that we should all be everybody should have the opportunity to make an informed decision about whether or not they want a career in that and if it is chance because of whatever reason because of they've done their research or because they've happened to have like you know overheard a conversation and then have therefore I don't know do you know what I mean like it could be loads of different reasons why.
3: Yeah, 100%. Sorry, I didn't mean, I, did, I wasn't disagreeing with your point, but I think that chance, the opportunity to, to discover youth theatre, if it's left to its own devices and left to chance, if you're from a certain background, the chance is higher. Do you know what I mean? So it's not, um, it's that chance makes it sound random, like almost 50-50. And actually, for yeah. in, from some backgrounds, if it's not available at the school, the chance of stumbling across it, is, low, is lower from certain backgrounds. So it was in addition to your point. I would never disagree with you, Karis.
0: <laughs> right, I'm going to move on to the Q&A section because I'm very wary of time. I'm going to start with Louise. Um, this is sort of a bit of a free-for-all. If you want to answer it, put, you, put the hand raise function and we'll go from there. Uh, I'll start with Louise's, which is great to see panellists from the North. Uh, do you think there are any differences between the North and South on this very topic? And if so, what? Um, who wants to start? Put your hand up. Who's going? Gareth.
1: I'll go. Um, I think the difference is that there just aren't as many theatres, are there, in the north. So I think that often, you know, obviously London's got the, the hub, hasn't it? So there's more chance of young people um, getting kind of getting spotted or getting kind of into a theatre because there's more of them and kind of more opportunities for young people to get involved. Um, so I think that there's often may- maybe, in the north of England, uh, less of a chance of people kind of, yeah, I guess getting engaged with with youth theatres. Yep.
0: go on Emily, you're obviously from the north and studying in London. So you've got a big, good idea of this.
2: <laughs> Literally what Caris said, like I was quite shocked when I moved to London and I was chatting with my people I go to university with and they were all like, oh yeah, me and my family go to the theatre like really regularly. And for me and my family, That's just something that I never really had, and I think you're right because there's so much more theatre down there. It just seems to more accessible, more people know it, and I think there's also it's sort of part of the culture in the south. I know it sounds really weird, but you know it's really normal to go to the theatre as a family versus up here. I debate that it's not as big as a trend as it is down there.
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely um here we go how can we mobilize people to create systematic change uh do we need to lobby the government and how oh that just went there where did that just go did
2: That just get deleted
3: Oh Oh my gosh! I I
2: wanted to answer so people can see the questions that you're answering. Um, Now it's answered.
3: So thank you. The government had hacked this chat. Yeah, I was
0: like, oh my (laughs) god, Boris is listening. He's going to shut it down. Uh, Let me start again. How can we mobilise people to create systematic change? Do we need to lobby the government? And how can we get loud? um, Get a loud enough voice, Joe? Let's come to you.
3: Um. A big question because I think from our conversations that is what needs to happen in the sense that it's not I think we've have agreed as a panel that it's not that this should be lost from schools and this it can be filled the gap can be filled really well by all of these other organizations that's not true so I think it does need systematic change how that happens and. Um, I really don't know that in a uh, in way, you know, is it a kind of movement, build it in? I mean, I've signed a lot of petitions. Not all of them have worked. Uh, so like it, but I, I really agree that it's it is about changing that, changing the minds of those people in power. And I, um, and I think that it's not everybody that the lots of people, I suppose, hopefully within the education system agree with us or some of some of them, but not enough of them. How do we change that? I don't know, talking to them. How do we talk to them?
0: I mean, Hannah, how, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, how How can we make the government see see this, I guess?
4: Again, another difficult question. Um, I think when we were saying before how um, social media can play a big part, like TikTok, and even though I think, yeah, a lot of people use social media, and in a positive way, a lot of people use social media, and so many things can be argued about and and told and you know indirectly the government and people from the government will see these things if it becomes a big enough movement on social media then you know it can also go on the news and it theatre organisations and companies for the modules like Applied Drama,
0: so instead an opportunity can be created for them to teach in schools. Joe, go ahead.
3: I was just gonna say, although I think there's some, if that was done in a way that um, is supporting drama teachers, existing drama teachers, I would be in favour of it. If it's talking about sending um, BA students or um, university students of drama in as replacement teachers I think that doesn't value the skill that it takes to teach drama and I'm not a drama teacher but I have spent five years as a freelance workshop leader and it is skillful to run those spaces in a where in an appropriate way that's creative and safe etc and um, so I would worry about that as a solution although I understand that it's quite a pragmatic matic idea, and um, I also think the point about PhD students. I was taught by some PhD students at university. I did not think it was good teaching, so um, so I um, hopefully pol- politely disagree. I think at that point.
0: Yeah. Anyone else want to chime in on that? No. Cool, I'm going to follow on to what I'm very aware we've got five minutes left. So I'm going to go to my final question, which is basically, have any of you got a recommendation of any initiatives or groups young people can get involved with? Karis, I'll come to you first.
1: Um, the Royal Exchange Young Company.
0: <laughs> yeah, Fair enough. And why Um, do people join the Royal (laughs) Exchange?
1: Well, (laughs) uh, it's great. You get weekly sessions. You can come for a year. You get fully embedded in the theatre. The theatre just becomes your second home, essentially. Um, Thank you, Natalie. Um, And... I think that it is really great in that it offers, um, we have a financial support scheme. So for people who might not be able to afford uh, the fees or the travel to and from the theatre or who might need an access support worker, we can pay for that. So um, we like every Christmas, we like do kind of bucket collections on stage to raise money for uh, for access to like our kind of programmes, which... Um, is obviously really important and necessary because obviously there's a cost that might come with some of these um initiatives as well so this kind of like yeah helps kind of uh bring down those barriers
0: yeah, I'm involved with the Royal Exchange, but they're doing a, something called Local Tales at the moment. If anyone's living in the north of England, uh, well, northwest of England, there is basically something called Local Tales, which is a writing competition um, currently promoting um, Local Tales, basically. Um, so that is something that is happening at the moment. Could I ask, I was really quickly about the Royal Exchange, because when I was part of the Royal Exchange when I was a kid, there was... Um, you offered drama schools used to come to the Royal Exchange and do their drama school auditions. Is that still a thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of, um, lots of the time drama schools might want to audition uh, in kind of places other than London or where they're based. So um, it's not really through a partnership, it's kind of mostly like a hire, but sort of as a result of that, some of them we do partner with and they kind of come and offer some tasters or some workshops or outreach sessions. Lots of drama schools obviously do have like free audition spaces. Um, or subsidised audition places. So we kind of, yeah, we have a bit of a partnership. But yeah, lots of them are quite, I guess, keen to like base themselves there for a few days and host their, aud- their auditions there. doesn't work for everyone because some people do want to go and obviously see the see the place where they're auditioning for. So yeah. it's it's a tricky one. But um yeah, that's obviously an option. Yeah.
0: Hannah, let's come to you. Uh well, I mean, obviously the Octane Theatre, which I'm sure
1: Joe will
4: talk about it a lot as he has more experience so I think one of the things that I would strongly advocate with initiative is that volunteering can be um, a huge thing that you can be a part of and it is free. Um, I volunteered with uh, local theatre, with museums, with art galleries and through this I've gained experience with working with practitioners and actually seeing firsthand what a career in the arts can be like so I think It might not be something that's, you know, usually um, accepted and usually explored, but volunteering can be really beneficial to a lot of young people.
3: Amazing. Joe? Yeah, so um, the Octagon Theatre you can check out. I mean, I would say to people that aren't based um, in Bolton, make the trip to the Octagon. I would say um, look at your local theatre and go on their website. Most theatres have a kind of... Um, engagement department or a get involved page Um, and if not kind of email them as well or ring them up Um, like Hannah made that point that actually kind of um, chasing things and chasing people and finding out what's out there can take a bit of effort but actually it's really worth it Um, so that would be my first port of call there's other um, national things like the National Youth Theatre people might want to become involved with um, as well but yeah so um yeah drop me an email at the octagon participation at octagonbolton.co.uk and we can talk about it
0: would you always put that in the chat joe is that all right
3: yes sure it's not me that checks that email actually so they'll get forwarded but alex will be pleased ah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
0: emily
2: um i really recommend uh, the everyman playhouse in liverpool called yet yeah. yep. Uh, like we were saying they do more than just acting they do producers writing they do everything by erecting Matt and Tomo who run that are just ace but also I got into drama school through outreach through like the auditions at Royal Exchange but there's a drama audition process where you can apply for drama studio Aura and Italia Conti for 30 pounds and they go to tons of places like Newcastle, Doncaster, a few places down south so I definitely recommend that as well
0: yeah um and then just in recommendations for us obviously with creative youth where we've got such a huge volunteer program we've got such a huge um work experience program as well so you can get involved with us um if you are more sort of down south um and you know we've got the creative talent program every year we look for uh three um three young emerging companies and we um basically commission two thousand pound Um, for that to be put on. So, you know, we do that as well. We have our young creatives um, and just, you know, the festival in general, we're always looking for, you know, producers to take under our wing and and help out with our festival. It takes place every July. Um, So if you do want to get involved, um, please email us. Yeah, Natalie's put it in in there as well. Just have a look at our website. We've got so much going on. And if you really want to get involved with us, um, you can do as well, but that's it. Look at that, bang on eight o'clock. Um, thank you so much, guys. And um, that was a really interesting discussion. Um, you know, I'm so sorry to get around to everyone's questions. It's such a big topic to discuss in an hour. It's, you know, we should be debating this for, for days, weeks. Um, so trying to sum it all up in an hour is difficult. Um, but I hope we tried to cover as much ground as we as we could. I know we couldn't get too much in depth. Um, but I hope we scratch the surface a little bit. So thank you, Karis, Hannah, Joe, and Emily. Um, you've been wonderful uh, this evening. Um, please, guys, if you are wanting to catch up on this, we are recording this. and going to upload it to our podcast, so please catch up later on and our YouTube channel. Um, you are going to be sent feedback forms as well, if you can fill those in and let us know how you uh, your thoughts on, um, on this sort of stuff. That would be great as well, but we've got loads of stuff coming up in terms of creative youth. Uh, next month, our next webinar is actually on the 19th. Uh, Yet yeah, 19th of April at seven o'clock um, and it's all about East Asian uh, well no, just Asian representation in general in the arts and how it needs to be improved uh, so that's the next webinar uh, so please join us then uh, you can sign up for that um, there which is what Natalie's just put in so that's great and um, we've also got um, our film festival um, that is actually open for applications at the moment so if you've got any short films um, please submit at the moment Um, And obviously we have our festival in July as well. There's so much stuff. Look on our website and all that as well. I'm out of breath. Thank you so much, guys. Um, It's been wonderful talking to you all. Uh, Thank you for joining me um, and have a lovely evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.